This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hi, I'm Erica Pandy, and welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. It's Thursday, December 2nd, and we're focused on abortion access. The Supreme Court looks poised to roll back abortion access or even let states ban abortions altogether, undoing the precedent set by Roe v. Wade. Here's the backdrop. The court heard oral arguments yesterday in the case of Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. This is a legal fight over a Mississippi law that bans abortions after just 15 weeks, and it's the most significant abortion case in years. Legal reporters and scholars who closely watched yesterday's arguments say it looks like the court is highly likely to uphold Mississippi's 15-week ban, and at a minimum, rewrite precedents in a way that would allow other states to pass new abortion restrictions. But the conservative majority on this Supreme Court could go even further and overturn Roe v. Wade altogether. That would allow states to ban abortion completely. So what exactly did yesterday's arguments reveal about where this case may be headed? And what would happen if abortion access is rolled back even partially by a decision? In a moment, I'll be joined by Chris Geidner, a legal columnist for MSNBC. We'll discuss how supporters of Roe say it seems to be a foregone conclusion that Roe will no longer be the law of the land. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. We're joined now by Chris Geidner, a columnist for MSNBC. Hey, Chris. Hello. So I'm hearing across cable news and op-eds that yesterday's arguments were very telling. Can you explain how? Why were they telling? The the bottom line is that the current composition of the court doesn't leave a lot to the imagination. The fact that there are six conservative justices put a lot of the question of at least this case of whether or not the Mississippi law would be upheld, which bans abortions after 15 weeks, really off to the side almost. It's almost a foregone conclusion that that is going to be upheld. The real question and the thing that those of us who were paying attention to the ins and outs of the nearly two hours of arguments was over how they do it. Were you surprised by what you heard yesterday? The effort to scale back or overturn Roe has been such a a longstanding commitment of the conservative legal movement that, bluntly, when Justice Ginsburg died and Justice Barrett replaced her, the math changed. And I, I wrote in April about the fact that in some ways, this is no longer the Roberts court because the 
other five more conservative justices don't even need his vote to get a majority. And we potentially are going to see the fallout of that in this case, because unless one of those five justices decides to side with Chief Justice Roberts and some sort of middle ground solution that would basically uphold the Mississippi ban, but also uphold or not expressly reverse or overturn Roe versus Wade and Casey is kind of the best hope for supporters of abortion rights. So you, you've gotten into this a little bit, but how many possible scenarios are there now and what are they? There was this effort, it looked like, from the chief justice to come up with some sort of middle ground that would not involve specifically overturning Roe and Casey, but would also uphold Mississippi's 15-week ban, which would in and of itself be precedent-changing, because in order to do that, they would basically have to get rid of the line that has held since Casey, which is that restrictions— before viability, have to be very carefully looked at. And they often are going to be struck down. You would have to change that element of Casey. And so even that middle ground would dramatically limit the abortion right as it's been exercised for the past 30 years. Then the more extreme position would be if those five more conservative justices do come together around a decision that would just expressly overturn Roe, as Justice Kavanaugh talked about, he claimed that that would make everything neutral, that the Constitution is neutral on abortion. That would mean it would allow states to create whatever restrictions they want. So put this in context for me. The court has obviously heard abortion cases in the past. Is this one different specifically because of the conservative majority, or are there other elements of this case, this moment, that make this different? Ever since Roe, conservatives have been trying to pass laws that a Supreme Court, whatever, whoever's on it at that time, would allow. And the Casey decision in the 90s reaffirmed the holding of Roe, that that abortion is a constitutionally protected right. And it also set up this undue burden standard that's how we've looked at restrictions on abortion since then. And those restrictions have gotten greater and greater over time as the court has been more conservative. And they've sort of held back at other times when there's more of a a, a liberal majority. And the, there's never been a liberal majority, but when justices who aren't wanting to overturn Roe <laughs> were in the majority. But then when Justice Ginsburg died, the big change in how Mississippi even approached this case, initially they specifically disclaimed that they were seeking to overturn Roe. And then after Justice Barrett took the bench and they filed their briefs, they said, no, actually, we are seeking to overturn Roe. There there was no other difference. Uh, And that led to the different argument and it led to the arguments that we heard yesterday. So if we turn now to the big thing that could happen, which is that Roe v. Wade gets overturned. How quickly would that change the abortion access landscape in the U.S.? Immediately, in some senses, because state legislatures are already acting 
on the the change dynamic. That's why we got the 15 week ban. That's why we got the then the six week bans that have followed. That's why we got the Texas sort of vigilante ban that goes even further. Legislatures that have, particularly in Republican trifecta states where you have both legislatures are Republican-led and a Republican governor, you're going to see efforts to, I mean, either severely limit or just explicitly restrict abortion. Um, in more liberal states, you're going to have questions about whether the legislature actually the state protects an abortion right. There, There's questions in New Jersey about, even though they have a Democratic trifecta, whether they'll be able to pass a state law that protects abortion rights. Undoing Roe would position abortion access firmly within states' rights, making it more likely that Americans experience a really different America, depending on what state they were born in and live in. What does this case mean for how two different Americans living in different places' legal realities are becoming really, really disparate. The truth is we we already have that on many issues. Until 2015, we had that with same-sex couples marriage rights. We have that certainly in terms of education. I mean, just look at, at Medicare expansion. Basically anything that that isn't a constitutional right. I mean, you will have people who travel, but again, it will be the, the people who can afford to travel. And so this will make life dramatically more difficult for people who live in those conservative states and are more poor. It will have a disparate impact on communities of color. It will have a disparate impact on undocumented people. It will have a disparate impact on LGBT people who might not feel comfortable like talking with local doctors. And then there's the the broader question that did come up in arguments a lot yesterday about like, could this even really be limited to just the abortion right? Will this impact other bodily autonomy questions, other personal decisions, other lines of cases about privacy. The lawyer for Mississippi tried to argue that it wouldn't, that there are differences. But Justice Sotomayor sort of shot back like, well, you can't guarantee us of that because like, won't somebody bring a lawsuit? And that's what will happen. And then we'll deal with litigation over that. Chris Geidner is a columnist for MSNBC. Thanks, Chris. Thanks a lot. Welcome back. Here's a stat that caught my eye today. The annual U.S. credit card application rate rose to 26.5% in October. That means about 27 in 100 Americans have applied for a credit card in the last 12 months. And that's up from the October 2020 rate of just 15.7%, which was actually a record low. This all tracks with what we discussed earlier this week on the rise of these buy now, pay later options. People are borrowing and borrowing and borrowing. The fact that Americans are eager for credit again could be a sign that the economy is returning to normal post-pandemic. People were understandably wary of taking on more debt in 2020 because of the uncertainty around, well, everything. These numbers could also reflect the influence of inflation, which is driving up prices right now. But these numbers don't account for the arrival of Omicron. That new uncertainty could make those credit card applications disappear once again. That's all for today. America Pandy, thanks for listening, and we're back tomorrow with another Axios recap. <laughs>